Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. You know, I, we separate things and like, for instance, many times a struggle among Christians is we separate these inside spiritual side of us with our body. We put a gap between that, or with the, may our soul, our spirit, our heart, the Bible refers to this core of who we are. And yet what we see in Scripture all the time is that we are spiritual beings and we have a body that's very important that God has given us. And he even says it's so important, he calls it his temple. And so we have to understand, we want to separate those two things, but really if we listen to what we say and if we watch what we do, it says we can actually figure out what's really going on inside of our, whole, our heart, right? And if we say certain things and we do certain things, it actually transforms our heart. There's this connection between the two. And I start with that because as we talk about finances, about money and possessions, this is something that's often something we struggle with separating from ourselves as if it's not tied to us in any way. It's just money, it's just things. But of course, when we look at Scripture, we see a whole different story. It talks all the time, I mean, a lot about our possessions and our, our finances and our money. And so as we look at this, it's somehow it's somewhat easy. Like we probably would know, right, as far as Jesus, what God is looking for you is to submit your whole self to Him, right? We're used to that. Like, that's still, we're working on that, but that's, that's what our goal is, right? But sometimes we don't understand. Also, God is saying, I want all of who you are, and I want all of who you, what you have. And that's a whole different way of looking at life, especially in our culture and in our world. And so, now I understand that when you start begin understanding this, it's, it's, it's not that God is anti-wealth or anti-possessions at all. You can look at the whole of Scripture, that's not true. But He does give clear instructions to how you should get your wealth, you know, without, in a way that doesn't oppress someone, in a, in a way that is, is, is moral and right. But he, a lot of what it talks about is this place of how we are to see what our, our money and our possessions, and then what we are to do with them. It talks a lot about that. Now, I'm pretty clear that when you talk on subjects like this, some of you are thinking, what a bad Sunday to come. (laughs) I should have read the notes. Maybe it wasn't in there, but yeah. So, but I'm telling you, this is is something that Jesus talks about because he loves us, and he has this tremendous abundance and freedom for us. And so I understand because we understand that money and possessions are pretty high value, right? That's why we lock our cars. <laughs> That's why we lock our houses. That's why you don't have your money hanging out. You have it hidden in your billfold or you have it in the banks, right? We, it's something that's very important, but it also can be very personal. It gets kind of complicated because we have been raised, and I want you to be thinking out through this whole time, what is your relationship with money and things? Just begin, as, as I'm talking, just begin saying open to letting God show you what is your relationship between money and things. Now, you know, you're, you may have been raised in a family. We, we all get our, right now, 
everybody in this room has slightly different views on this. You know, I just watched this. This is, this is everybody, and, and you think yours is correct, by the way, you know, <laughs> right? Or at least you're trying to justify how you see it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, and it, we, we form how we view things through our lens of how we've grown up, right? If you grew up in poverty, it starts forming you how you see money. If you grew up in lots of wealth, or if you're in the, somewhere in the between, if you had a, a household that was constantly wait, waiting to lend, win the lottery just to survive, or you've had somebody who ends up you know, at a spot where they're constantly being driven by the debt they've occurred, or someone who is, comes from a house that does cash only, or you know, you've come from all different things. Maybe you had a really good house and just had great gratitude for what they had, and it was tremendously generous. But we have the whole gamut that we've grown up. But we form what we think and believe through those things. And we're in a culture that really has a high emphasis on money. Have you noticed that? It's what you look at the top 10 richest people who are watching who's going to win with their billions. And we're looking at, they have everybody list what they are. You can ask, I have Alexa. There's no one I've ever asked what their net worth is and hasn't told me. So I'm going to try some of you guys, just see if it's out there yet. But just, I, I just say it. And they know exactly because they know it's been asked a thousand times, millions of times. So we're in that culture that's often driven by greed and the success is money. And we're trying to get a right perspective on it from the family we've grown up with and how we've seen it. And what I want to do is I want us to just be able to be open to maybe God might want to show us some new ways of seeing things according to his perspective as we go through it. Because we all have this lens we kind of think, and we kind of think our lens is normal. I always use this example. Someone said this one time, I loved it. Normal is just a setting on the dryer. You know, it's just, it's pretty hard to gauge. <laughs> right? uh, and so, but, and, and usually think your normal is just kind of correct way of seeing things. For me, uh, I thought it was the correct way of seeing things. You guys ever thought it was the correct way of seeing things? So you start a, a partnership and a business with somebody, you rather think, whoa, they see this differently than I do. Or how about this one? Marriage, right? You guys know that one? Debbie and I grew up with pretty much the same kind of parents. And we got together. We've been, we're going on 42 years. And last month, guess what our argument was on? Money, right? So I understand that we, we believe that, but as we go through this, is like for me, for instance, you know, I grew up probably if you took a median income, I was kind of lower median income. We were always tight, but always had food. Uh, you know, we camped for vacation. I never knew what a hotel room was. I always thought that was like so luxurious. You know, we, we, just, we just did that all the time. And we, we, I remember you'd go out to, you guys, some of you guys, <laughs> you got to eat with your parents, right? And you could tell they weren't enjoying anything about the dinner because all they were doing is calculating the menu and what we could get and don't buy Cokes, don't buy, you know, whatever that is, right? That's the problem is I still do that, right? I don't get people who say, I just order what I want. I just think that's crazy. But I, you're for, I'm forming how I see finances by how I grew up. And my dad was really good at preaching, work hard, save well, live below your means, don't trust the credit card companies. And he gave lots of really good advice. And so I took it on pretty early. And at 12, I was out working. I was like, I had my lawn mowing business. I learned, you know, you, how much you can make on shoveling walks, especially when you're little. They just tip you like crazy. So I would go around, shovel walks. And uh, I just love saving money. Because then when I turned 
before I turned 16, I bought a Mach 1 Mustang with 36,000 miles on it that had a 428 Cobra jet engine in it, and it was beautiful. And I bought it cash. I did not drive yet, but I got the car. And I remember, here's the thing that happened though. I'm learning to drive my muscle car, and then I came to Jesus not long after that. And I thought to myself, this seems like really bad timing. So I started looking at the Bible and saying, what does Jesus want to, I want to be like Jesus. And I really was passionate. So I looked at how Jesus was. One of the things really disappointing is you have to obey the law when you're a Christian. And I thought, what am I doing with this car? Like, what is this going to be? So I asked for forgiveness a few times, but I, I got better at that. So then I started looking at, oh my goodness, I've never been other-centered in my life. I've been self-centered. Oh, I, there's this thing called pride and humility. Oh, there's, oh, I got to relook at my sexuality. This is crazy. I have to treat women differently and see them differently. This is like radically changing my world. And yet I was kind of challenged by it all, except that when I started reading Jesus' talking about this place of finances and giving, I have to admit, you think something else would have... You kind of stumbled me, but that was it. Like, what? Why don't you talk about saving, Jesus? It seems like you just keep talking about giving. So I'd go to Proverbs and have lots of theology on how good it is to plan and save. But then I'd go to the New Testament, and it's like, give, give, give. And I think, wait a second here, you know? So I just paid attention to Proverbs, kept going. I remember one time I was in this debate with these two Christians, <laughs> and they were much more mature than I, and they were talking about giving to the church, and they're saying, no, you, I believe in a tithe, okay, I believe in a tithe too, and they were going back and forth, and they said, that's 10%, and then one said, it's 10% on gross, and the other goes, no, I think it's just net, you know, because there's this big discussion going on, and I remember thinking, I was radical, right, so I said, I'm for the guy on gross, it's for the gross, you know, and then I got done the conversation, I was like, I need to start giving some money. I didn't have any even concept of it. And I thought, oh, no. So I just gripped my teeth. I put it as a line out of the budget, and I just did it. And I've been doing it ever since, right? And it's like, okay, that's really good, right? But I just kind of checked the mark off. Thank goodness I'm settled on this issue of money because now I've decided to even raise that percentage a little bit. Just keep going. And so, But every time I would read certain scriptures, what I could feel was like there's some kind of freedom that I don't have when I read these scriptures, like, freely give. I think, ooh. You know, I just, that's just, I just the, when it gets down to places of not out of excess, but I'm just like, oh, I thought, how unresponsible. Or, you know, you get to a spot where, you know, I was in Acts. I loved Acts back then because Acts was like, that's the way the church should be, not like this. You know, that was me back then. And uh, I was looking at Acts, and then I got to this part. It says, all the believers were together and had, had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. And I thought, Jesus is not American. And this, is, this is terrible. I mean, and so I was just kind of rattled by it all. But I knew that Jesus, you know, they weren't lying when they, and the Scripture says that, you know, it's more blessed to give than receive. But I don't think I understood. I, knew, I understood a little bit by little bits I gave, but I, I could tell it was another level that I had a hard time getting a hold of. Two stories that, that stood out to me that always kind of rattled me was the rich young ruler. You guys mo mostly know this story. The rich young ruler is doing everything to follow 
the commands that God lays out. And he's just doing them all, but yet he's still empty. He's trying to figure out, how do I get this kingdom of God that this Jesus, the Messiah, is talking about? So he goes to him and says, how do I do this? And he makes sure he understands he's done all these things. And then Jesus, and I love this in Mark, he says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come, then follow me. But the man's face dropped because he was very wealthy and he walked away. That always got me. Like, what? Why would you demand that kind of thing for this guy? And I thought, hmm. Then I look at the widow. The widow one really knocked me off because they were sat down and they were watching by the treasury people with, who were very wealthy bringing in huge amounts of money and dropping them into the bucket, right? And they were giving a tremendous amount. But there's this widow woman who came, and she was dirt poor, had no money whatsoever, and the little money she had was just, a, just about a cent in that day, a couple pennies, and he, he just drops them in, and Jesus gets his disciples around and says, look at her. She's got it. She, they gave out of their abundance. She had nothing, and she gave everything she had. And I'm quite honestly, this sounds really sad, but I think, I need to counsel this woman. You don't give away the last part of your, I mean, that's the way I was. Like, that's not wise. You know, we got to build up some, you know, all this stuff. But Jesus seems like, that is amazing, because you get it. One got the kingdom, and one they knew they had the kingdom, and one didn't. And one missed the kingdom because their wealth kept them from the kingdom. Now, so, if you're not already thinking this, what are your feelings when you consider giving your money or possessions away? Now, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't say anything. It's all just between you and God. Just that feeling. Think of those nice things you own. Think of those things you just bought. Think about your bank account. Think about your retirement. Think about that. Think about giving that away. You feel unction and you get, what does that start to feel like if you begin considering that, right? That will show you what things going on. Doesn't matter if you're wealthy or you're just getting by. What are you feeling? And I think if we're honest, almost all of us, if not all of us, when we get really honest, we're afraid. There's a, there's a fear that we have. And because the question is, will I really be fulfilled? Will I really be okay? See, how you view your money and possessions and how, what you do with them is directly tied to you and your connection to Jesus. Now, you know, there's a term that I think is really true, but I don't mean it the way most people mean it, is money talks. That means if I have money, I have more influence. I, I don't believe that. I believe it's true culturally. But I think money talks because money wants you. If you can imagine you have a relationship with money, here's what money wants you to do, the spiritual side of this. Money wants you to love it and to serve it, Right? And it promises you, it courts you. 
<laughs> it promises you if you believe what it's telling you, you're going to have a, something happen. So what does money and possessions promise you? Let's just throw this out for a few brave souls that want to throw. What, when you think about this, what is the promise of money and possessions? Security. Security. Happiness. What else? Fame. What's that? Fame. Fame. Fulfillment. Fulfillment. Power. Power. You guys are good. What did you say? Rich. <laughs> That's good. You'll be rich, and that'll make you feel good, right? Freedom. Freedom. What's that? Say again. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. So let's think about this. There's an appeal to money, and it's tied to deep needs within us. I mean, and I think someone said this. Fulfillment really is the overall term, it say. It promises you fulfillment. And fulfillment is broken down in this spot. There's probably other things as well, but many of you said all these things. Security and comfort and pleasure and power and value and worth. Right? Now, there may be places that we distort that, but those are true needs. And so as we look at those things, we start understanding, you know, we start understanding that there is really a, a, a draw that money talks. Spiritually, there's something behind that, right? And this spot is talking about the place of, and then we understand what Jesus says, like no one can serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other, you know? Uh, and you can't serve God and money. You can't. And so you understand why it's so important for Jesus to say, with love, money and your love of money is holding you back, so how do you break that, give it away? You know, one of the most misquoted verses is money is the root of all evil, which is a completely misquote. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, not all evil. But the love of money takes us to places of evil. And so God is gracious in understanding the destructive thing that happens. We begin loving our possessions and loving money as if that was our source to be fulfilled. So let's go through and talk a little bit about um, this fulfillment, how Jesus addresses this. And if you have a, a phone or a Bible or you want to just follow, you can. But we're going to be looking at uh, Luke 12, 13 through 34 and we're not going to go through every detail of, the, of the, that, but I would encourage you to go back over that and just spend some time reading it. So we're going to skip through a little bit of it and kind of tell it, and then we'll, we'll kind of lock in. But it starts out with this conversation with two people who are actually uh, in a fight about money <laughs> and who owes who and get, tell them to give my money. So there's this fight going on, and he, Jesus comes in, and he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed, Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. This is what he's going to talk about all the way through 34. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he begins playing that out. And he starts in a spot where he starts talking about this with a parable of a farmer who has record crops and lots more than he can possibly use. And he begins thinking about this and I call this, this is the American dream of 33 B.C., right? This is the American dream of 33 B.C. See if it sounds familiar. 
And he said, hmm, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store a surplus of grain, and I'll say to myself, I have plenty of grain laid up for me in years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That is like, now don't, we, don't, don't raise your hands on this, but some of you thought, that sounds good idea. That's good investing there. Uh, that's really, like, you're really gone liking, that is amazing. I wish I had that much. So you're already kind of thinking that way. That's just because we see this this lens, but Jesus sees it in a little different way. Here's the end of the parable. He says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And then he continues on and he begins saying, and he's now he's speaking to the group and he's saying, man, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink, what you wear. And he talks about the lilies of the field and he talks about the, the birds that don't ever have to worry about being taken care of and it's this free feeling of like I want you to experience being provided for like that and then he goes on and he says it this way he says he says and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink do not worry about it for the pagans the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them but seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, and treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's so much good stuff in that, but let me just go through a few things that stood out to me as I looked at this. I think if you first start looking at this, it talks about this place of not setting your heart on these things. Not setting your heart on these things. Not loving these things in that way, that's where you're focused towards, right? And so, as you think about that, if you think about what I, it's, it's again, God is not anti-money. He's not anti-possessions. He's saying, though, when you begin looking at those things as your place of fulfillment and security, don't do that. Don't set your heart on those things. And I love how it continues on, because then it, it, it says, it wasn't like, you don't need those things. No, he says, no, the Father knows you need them. In fact, he actually knows more of what you need than you know what you need because he has the best life for you in the kingdom. And so you need to trust him with everything because he will always give you back better than you could possibly imagine. And so he understands that we need these things. In other words, we need security. We need comfort. We need pleasure. You know, we need to be, have worth. We need uh, all those things that we listed. We need those things. He says, I know that you need these things. Now, but the question is, if you focus on him, it puts him above God and the kingdom, but seek first the kingdom, and then those things get added to you. 
And then I love in 32 because I love the tone of this. Usually when you talk about money and possessions and being gracious and giving abundantly and to the poor and all those things, you, you, caught, you start thinking, people thinking, it feels like God's asking me to jump off a cliff because that's what it feels like. <laughs> Some of you right now aren't, aren't shaking your head, but inside you're thinking, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm, there's no way. I mean, I don't know what this even means, but you're, you're going through all those kind of things internally. And what I love about this is when Jesus says, much like he did when he looked at the rich young ruler, he, he, he says, don't be afraid, little flock. He's asking a sheep to do this. He's asking a sheep that doesn't have the power to do this, is saying, don't be afraid. And what I love about that, because what it means is he will help us know how to do it. He will stay with us and teach us how to trust. And he will be our shepherd as we go through it. And then he goes on, and here's why you don't have to worry. Because your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. You know, this father is pleased to give you the kingdom. If you think about those two examples I used, God was wanting to give the kingdom. He gave, and the, the widow found fulfillment, deep life, not even worrying about money. That's because when you have the kingdom, you know you're going to be taken care of. And the, but the rich young ruler, he was so longing for him to say, it's way better than being as rich as you are. There's something really big, but this rich stuff is keeping you from that, and he, he missed the kingdom. But I love it that it's not something he's saying, just go figure it out. He says, you're my, don't be afraid, because I know you're afraid. I know when you start thinking about letting go of things, you start getting afraid. And he's gracious. He understands that, but he leads us in that. And then he does this radical statement. Sell your possessions and give the poor. And this is usually where people check out, like, eh, I'm out of here. That's, does that mean all possessions? Let's look up some court coordinates. Can we say partial? Wait a minute, the scripture over here doesn't say everybody does that. I know we go through all those kind of things, right? Let's not dilute this. The power of turning from the love of money to loving the kingdom and seeking the love, seeking things uh, money and possessions versus the kingdom, the way you get there is not just analyzing it in your mind and thinking about it three times. You get there by trusting and giving away <laughs> things that you're hanging on to. And God will show you what that means for you. But we see that all the time in Scripture. Like, the answer isn't like, let me sit down and talk to you, rich person. Uh, I know you're a twin ruler, let me explain on chart. And you know, he says, no, no, there's just a simple way you do this. You start giving to people who have need those things that you want to hang on to, right? Isn't that what it is? We want to hang on, and God's, all he's saying is, don't hang on, trust me with whatever I've given you, and I will provide more than you can imagine, but you have to quit looking to that. And so as you look at this, and I think the final part to me I don't know, it just it gets me, is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some of you I know are just longing to have your heart more aligned with Jesus, right? You want to have your heart aligned with the kingdom. 
how do you do that? Well, what you treasure, <laughs> you give him. You, you, you give away. It, it aligns you where your heart, where your treasure is. If you put your treasure in the kingdom of God and not treasuring the things for your support, guess what? Your heart actually follows as you do that. Even when I gave that, you know, that, I put that line item for giving to the church in my thing, it changed my heart. That little bit changed my heart. And, and I just, you know, avoided it after that. But eventually God started talking to me about, wait a minute, why are you just living by this? There's a whole principle here that you have to start learning to live. So, what I want to just say in closing is this, is that I know and I'm talking to myself as much as you, there's something that we have to, we bump up against as a Western culture in this area of finances. And I think everybody does. It was happening back in Jesus' day. It's happening now. But I just know God wants to help us get free from being, having money keep us from things. And I think it applies, I believe, to everybody, not just a few. I think it's something, there's degrees of this with every person. How do we get to a place of knowing the, the, what we have in the kingdom of God to the point that we are not, we're not striving after those other things? But we know God knows we need them, and we, God provides for us, but we're not, it's not up to us to, to grab them and to hold on to them. The freedom that just is appealing to me, but there's also a real scary part in it, right? At the same time. And I just want you to encourage you to say, God is not going to say, jump off a cliff. If he does, he'll jump with you. But I don't think he's going to, he's, he, he's not, he's going to lead you and tell you how to do this. And so he's just asking you to start being honest with where am I at in this place? And then, and this place of understanding that he has amazing things for us. I mean, just imagine. I mean, our church is actually really generous. It really is. And I've seen God just use your faithfulness and giving it crazy levels. And it just, I just think, wow, what should I complain about? Nothing. But, but when I think about, what would it be like if we just kept getting more generous and giving it away to tons of people, right? We took care of it, but we just started, just imagine what that would feel like. And, and we would find the joy in that. I mean, just imagine if we could just, knowing that as we made those choices, we were, bring, we were connecting the kingdom. I mean, this is how we understand that we have the kingdom. It's when we put it on the line and the kingdom comes. So, let me give you a couple things. The worship team can come up. Here's the invitation. I really would like you just to, med on, to meditate. Let the scriptures speak to you, you know? Just read over this whole section and meditate on it and talk to Jesus about your fears related to money and ask him to help you grasp what he means when he says, your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Just let him start talking to you about what does that mean. And the second thing I'm saying is just yield all that you are and all that you have to God. I think some of you, you had a little bit of light bulb going on. Oh, I never thought about yielding all I have right? Begin yielding not just all you are, but all you have, and give what you have. When you give, don't be like, don't just have a checkbox. Understand that this is an expression of trust and love. 
It's a way you turn from loving money to loving the kingdom and loving Jesus, right?